This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. Check this podcast, episode 49, and today I'm joined by Elena Parker. She wrote a uh, blog entry about qualified immunity and following up on Monday's topic of the police and some of the issues that the American judicial system has. One of those in particular is qualified immunity. So seeing her piece and reading it, and it was very... uh, It was very well written and very well thought out. So I wanted to bring her on and let her kind of share some of that because she goes into a lot more depth than what I really uh, fully know and understand, especially just off the top of my head. So Elena, tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh, let's get after it. Well, my name is Elena Parker. I'm a student going into law. So I'm very interested in why things are the way they are and like what the root of things such as like qualified immunity, what actually brought it into play. So I have like all the background on this prepared. Yeah, so like expound on that because I don't think anybody outside of somebody with a law degree probably knows what the, the foundations of qualified immunity are. Like a lot of people have heard about it They've heard that those words thrown around, but they may not understand where it came from. So explain some of that. Where did where does qualified immunity come from? All right. So back in 18 something or another, there is a case Bradley versus Fisher. So what this case does is using common law from England, it is going to put it into our law that judges have immunity, which is very important into how police end up getting qualified immunity. So this case, it is a lot to unpack. So I'm going to simplify it in the most simple way. So Bradley was an attorney who was practicing in the Supreme Court in DC. And one of the justices was Fisher. And they had this altercation that went on for years. And at the end of the case, it's not even worth trying to explain that case. At the end of the case, they came to the conclusion that um, that because of the common law from England, that the judges there have immunity, that the judges here should have immunity. And a quote from that is going to be, it has been the settled doctrine of the English courts for many centuries and has never been denied. So they decided here it's not going to be denied. So then in 1961 in Jackson, Mississippi, we're now going to have the case Pearson versus Ray. So this is back when the freedom rides and everything were happening. Civil rights were taking their course. Well, there is a group of 28 priests who were making a trip from the deep south up to the Great Lakes on a freedom ride, and they ended up stopping in Mississippi. They ended up taking taxis to this coffee shop and a bus terminal, and on the way in, two police officers stopped them from going in. And they were like, no, we want to get lunch. We're here to eat. We're going to do it. So the two officers arrested all 15 priests on breaching the peace, So they go to jail, they then go to a local court, and the court sides with the policeman, 
He sentenced them to four months in jail, the $200 fine. And then after that, they end up saving up money to make bail. They get out, they appeal it. This is at the county level. The judge dismisses the case against the priests because they weren't found to be doing anything wrong. And the person who was representing the priests decides we're going to sue them for civil damages. You went to jail for no reason and you got fined for no reason. I forgot something very important. The um, statute that the police arrested the priests under was actually repealed, so it was no longer valid. So technically they were arrested under a law that no longer existed. So they go to get damages for all their troubles, going to jail and everything for no reason, false imprisonment, false arrest. And the jury ends up siding with the police. They say, well, the police were just trying to do their job. They were trying to keep the peace. They thought you were going to incite violence by your giant group of 15 priests. So they were in the right. So basically this ends up going to um, Supreme Court and the judge, I'm sorry, there is a eight to 10, eight to nine decision that the judge could not be held accountable because of the Fisher and Bradley case. They already have the common law established. The judge has absolute immunity, even though he sentenced them to jail for no reason, gave them a fine for no reason. He's, he's fine. So police at the time did not have the same immunity. So during this case, they decided, well, the judge has immunity. What about the police that arrested these people for no reason? So this is another quote. The judge ruled they may be excused from liability for acting under a statute that he reasonably believed to be valid, but that was held later unconstitutional on its face or applied. So basically between the judge having immunity and the police having immunity, you can be thrown in jail for something that doesn't even really apply to law anymore and you're not going to recover any damages from your time or life lost. And they get no repercussions and hold no liability. Uh, wow. Okay. So, like, okay. Do you know any like history or background on this? Like why, why would 15 priests be considered uh, like a, a, even a threat to incite violence or like, I mean, I, it, I understand it's a big group, but like, what are priests going to do to, especially in the deep South? Like, I don't understand the, I don't understand the, man, that's insane. It's so weird. When I was writing it, I was like, I don't, this is like so unbelievable, but it's, it, it happened. Golly. Oh, well, and then, so in your article, you, you know, you continue to go on into some other stuff. Uh, you know, talking about bad apples in law enforcement and stuff like that. And I, and I'm like, so do you have any, uh, like any cases or anything where this type of thing has been specifically used to effectively protect uh, basically police officers and judges who have been just outright uh, unconstitutional or, or done something blatantly illegal uh, in the name of, you know, protection or justice? Or have you made it into, gotten that far into stuff yet? Well, I mean, 
not I haven't really dug into that, but we can kind of see it in current events. With the exception of the most recent Floyd case, I don't know how they managed to pull off $27 million in a civil suit. I was very surprised to see that, but I honestly think that has to do with the amount of like media exposure that case has had. I think that that's had a lot to do with it, but you'll see like the Brianna Taylor stuff and things and stuff like that. Like if a mistake is made, if they were at the wrong house, like they're still not going to be held accountable. They thought they were in the right. They're acting in good faith, which is all that matters. One of the biggest issues, I don't know why it's like this, is in the case that you find yourself in a situation like that, this, in order to get civil damages recovered, your case has to be basically the exact same as a case that has already happened. I don't know why it's like that. I think it's so weird. So basically, in the case that you don't get killed, but you do get the crap beat out of you, let's, you're in the hospital, you have a broken leg or whatever, you want to sue them for your hospital bills, maybe you lost your job or whatever because you couldn't go to work, you want to recover your money. The exact same scenario basically has to have already happened, the same altercation, the same facts, the same events, and a police officer has to have previously been held accountable for that in order for you to successfully recover damages. So basically, the only way that precedent could have been established for you to be successful in fighting qualified immunity, you have to perfectly mirror another case where someone was able to successfully fight qualified immunity. Otherwise they'll, they'll basically throw it out as uh, they don't there is no precedent. Basically they'll say that the officer was acting in good faith. They thought they were doing the right thing at the right time. Okay. So since you did bring it up, what do you think is going to, be the outcome of the Derek Chauvin uh, trial and everything with the George Floyd situation. Since you, since you're, uh, you know, pre-law, you have that that background. Like just for for me, with uh, you know my basic understanding of the system, I could kind of see how this is going to go. But they've they've changed things around, so they've got the first degree charge, but I think they've also got a is it a third degree. Uh, as well yeah how do you how do you think that how you think it's going to play out I don't know because I was already surprised they even were successful in a civil court I'd be surprised if he's actually charged for third degree murder from being honest I haven't I've like kind of followed the case but I haven't followed it like really to the detail, but from my recollection of it, I've, I'm not sure what the jury's going to do, if I'm being honest. I, I can't even, it's so confusing because sometimes it seems like it should be a very clear picture, but the way it actually ends up going, it's not even close, so I don't know. 
I kind of felt like early on, if they had gone for manslaughter or maybe even third degree murder, that they might be able to get by with it. But when the outrage over the scenario kept getting pushed further and further, and they bumped it up to second degree and then up to first degree, like you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he came into that situation intending to kill somebody. And and like, there's, there's no way that there's no way that that's a winning uh, strategy with responding to an incident like that, like as terrible as what happened. And, you know, we all saw the video, we all watched, like it was absolutely atrocious what, what he did and, and how it played itself out. But at the same time, like there's absolutely no way that, that they can get first or second degree off of that because there's no way to, there's no way to validate any level of intent. Like right or third degree, you've at least got a chance to get a conviction, but like even, even if the jury, so let's say the jury did convict on first or second degree, that's going to get appealed by the police unions and everything else. And it's going to end up going, working its way up the court system where it's going to get thrown out uh, or the charges are going to get dropped. And, but yeah, like you said, like it's hard to tell how it's going to go because there is so much public pressure and such a public eye on the whole situation that regardless of what the outcome is, nobody can possibly win in this thing. No, they can't. It's, I don't know. It really boils down to, for me, that the police, yes, they are supposed to be there to protect and serve. And we have this constitution that is supposed to protect our rights. I use quotes because if we're allowing our law enforcement and our judges to very clearly infringe upon our rights, like, what is the purpose of even having it anymore? Like, if we put ourselves in a position where we have legislature and doctrines like this that say, it does not matter if your rights were violated, we're going to hold it up anyways. And why are we putting these people in positions where that is allowed? Like, you're in a position of power. The law isn't even going to stop you from infringing on our rights anymore. Like, why do you need that to do your job? And it's very frustrating to try to explain because the argument you're going to get, which you get endlessly, is, well, we want the police to be able to effectively be able to do their jobs. That's fine. But why do we have to give them a tool to infringe upon rights to be able to do their jobs? Exactly. If they're having to tear down everything that the Constitution and and the Bill of Rights and, and by connection, this entire country was built on in order to do their job, then they're just the enforcement arm of a bunch of fucking tyrants. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, I mean, we've been seeing it for literally for decades. Um, and, and it's only ramped up over the last 15, 20 years. Like it's for as much of the talk is uh, societally about 
police brutality and and defunding the police or uh, you know changes making changes to the judicial system or police reform all of these you know pretty talking points that get brought up so regularly it's only gone in the other direction like nothing's been reformed to to move in that direction with that in mind what's got you into pre-law so I never saw myself down this path at all. I was working in healthcare for a while. Um, just, I made this decision last January. And it was before all this craziness started happening. But I, I don't know how to explain why I made my shift. But I feel right now. Like, I feel like I'm on the right path. I, as a libertarian, I care about rights. And I feel like we are in a situation where we are slowly just handing them away. Just here, have, have more of my rights. We're getting in a position where it's becoming normalized to just say, I'm doing this for the greater good, so I'm going to give up my rights. And I feel like there needs to be more people in the system that want to defend the rights. I don't ever want to be on the side of prosecution whatsoever. I feel like there needs to be more people that see through the system and that see things for what they are and why they exist. So I feel like I would be a good asset to a defense team with my libertarian values. Excellent. Got anything else you want to add on the qualified immunity or anything else? Plug your uh, Twitter handle and your, your blog. So I've, I've gone read through your blog after looking at the qualified immunity one and you write well. So that's, I can't, uh, I can't write quite that much. I'm good for blurbs, but. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Well, my, Twitter handle is Elena for the number four Liberty and my Twitter is Elena for Liberty for <laughs> a little confusing, but yep. I'm not going to have a new blog this week because I'm busy, but I have something I'm working very hard on, on the way. So not pertaining to police though, but the history of why some things exist. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me. And for anybody listening, hope you learned a little bit. Make sure you go uh, follow Elena on Twitter and also check out her blog, elenaforliberty.com. And in the meantime, have a good one.